0: It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every
1: day. It is Locked On Jazz on the 29th of May. Happy birthday, Dad. I'm back with you. We're rolling. Joe Ingles, season in review. The NBA Finals for a fourth straight time and a Time Machine Tuesday. It's all coming up on today's edition of Locked On Jazz. Pow. How are you, David Locke, Radio Voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA Insider. Glad to be back with you on Locked on Jazz. Thank you uh, very much. I took the week last week uh, and went back east with my son to visit colleges. A little early in the process uh, since he's only a sophomore, but I would credit him. It was one of the most enjoyable weeks of my life just to watch him take it very seriously and uh, take it very intellectually and very mature. Uh, it was fun. Great. Beautiful. Beautiful. Beautiful part of our country. If you, We were up in uh, Boston and Vermont and Maine and New Hampshire. Uh, and uh, really, that was just great weather. Beautiful part of our country. So uh, enjoyed it. Love the area around Burlington and Portland, Maine. Are two absolutely beautiful gems if you're looking uh, for someplace to go. All right, let's get back at it. Uh, Joe Ingalls Breakdown. NBA Finals Outlooks and Time Machine Tuesday all coming in your direction. Today's show is brought to you by Murdoch Hyundai as well as Grip6 Belts. Uh, Joe Ingles is really one of the great stories to leak. And when you look at his evolution as a player and what he's done, it, it's, it's wow material. Um, a large part of the last two years comes to his ability to do two things. One is to hit the above the break three, and two is to hit the three off the bounce. Um, when he started in the league, he was a 36% three-point shooter. Year two, he was 37. The last two years, he's 44% three-point shooter for his last, and we talk about 750 being the key number for his last 743s. He's a 44% shooter. That is legit. It's an incredible, incredible story. Uh, I, I'm only talking about him on the court here. The intangibles, the 82 games played consecutively, uh, both the last two seasons, the 81 the year before, the jumping from 15 minutes to 24 minutes to 31 minutes in the last three seasons. It's His effective field goal percentage this year was 61%. I mean, I, I really view him as a playmaking Kyle Korver and I think Kyle Corver is one of the most important players in this league. And I'll be honest, when, when he was a free agent a year ago, my viewpoint on Joe was largely that he was a Quinn Snyder system player. And I still believe this to some extent and still have some debates that exist for me when it comes to to Joe. Like, as we, as, as we start playing around all offseason and try to find you know, that next player that um, adds to who we are, is the bona fide scorer, changes us, moves us to the next level. All those things, you know, you have a seat. well, will Joe come off the bench? And I, I, you know, he's a pretty darn good player, right? I mean, 12 points, four rebounds, and five assists is probably not exactly what you want out of that. In the playoffs, you know, how good was he? Um you know he still shot his 46% from 3 it felt like in the second series he was not quite as as valuable but that's hard to say those are you know you'd have to really probably dig into the and watch the video a little bit but he was incre- He's he becomes incredibly valuable the minute Ricky Rubio's out cuz he's a ball handler so i mean he's he's really one of the great stories of the league and how he's evolved and and then there i still you know I, I, I've, the numbers tell me not to doubt him at all uh, not to get caught up in the visual that is that can that really be one of your key pieces and and i 'm not sure I think he's your like number two key piece offensively, but i he 's pretty vital, and he 's Kyle Corver, and when we dig into his pick and roll stuff um when you look at what he's what he did, he was this last year corner three shooting is fifty three percent which is insane, but if you look at his shooting over the years. His He went from 36 to 39 to 44 to 44 without a huge jump in his corner three. It was his above-the-break three-point shooting that changed. And then secondarily, it was his off-the-bounce three-point shooting. That little step back behind uh, the pick that he and Zach Guthrie worked on so much. That, as much as anything, is what kind of changed him. And... Um, and even in the playoffs, he was able to do it. He hit 38% off the bounce. He hit 38% for the regular season, 46% catch and shoot. You leave him open for three, he's going to murder you. He's he's And that's what we're talking about. He's not Kyle Corver coming off the picks to come get it. But if you leave him open, if you look at his numbers on unguarded catch and shoot, he is a 73% effective field goal percentage. Other than about Otto Porter... And maybe one or two, Steph Curry, maybe Kyle Korver. There just are not many better uh, than Joe. And even on a guarded catch-and-shoot, he's begun to add that to his game a tiny bit. He's in the ninth 66th percentile. Looking at him overall, spot-up shooter, he's in the 80th percentile on the league. Off the screen, he's in the 86th. Transition, he was actually pretty good. Um, and if he can just get a shot. Now, pick-and-roll... There's two sides to his story. One is a 28 percent turnover rate, and the one question I do have, and he's such a great ball handler, uh, and, and he he is such he's done such a great job in the pick and roll. Uh, his pick and roll percentage was tied for with Rubio for best on the team. His he was with Favors at 9.55 and Gobert at 9.35 points per. Uh, we some of the best. I think the 9.55 with uh, favors was our best pick-and-roll combination on the team. Uh, there was a uniqueness to what the Jazz did in that Rubio ran 2,400 pick-and-rolls. Donovan ran about 2,400, and Joe could run 1,400. And you could come at teams from, from different directions, and Joe allowed you to do that. The, the question as we move forward and try to take the next step, is still to me a little bit of a question on how much of Joe is unique to Joe, how much of Joe is unique to what Quinn has built in a system that runs more pick-and-rolls, more handoffs than anyone else, and that Joe fits it or that a lot of players have fit it. I just don't know the answer. I th- um, And what I mean by that is trying to just figure out if you put somebody else in that spot, Hayward was there the year before um, and ran would you have the same productivity or is it unique to what Joe has been able to do with his skill set and that that honestly I think is a huge decision for the front office and I don't know the answer of how much you know if you look at Joe in 82 games and he's using you know if he's if he ran 1400 pick and rolls um, over the season that's a slight uh, it was actually, you know, I, I'm I'm rounding up nicely. But so of the, you know, 17 pick and rolls, he's running a game of uh, of those. Uh, is he b- better than other guys at that? If somebody else, um, if somebody else were to do have those 17 pick and rolls, would they be as good as Joe or not, um, is particularly at that position. I think it's interesting. Synergy has Joe as just the 36th percentile on pick-and-roll play because of his 28% turnover rate as the ball handler. Now, they aren't giving him probably enough credit for all of his passes out uh, the way they do things. Um, In a day and age where... Switching has become a big deal, and you need isolations. Joe only ran 49 isolations all year. He's pretty darn good at it. He was fine, right? Like, he's not bad at it, but he only ran 49. We don't run a lot of isolation. But as time continues, and you have to run more isolation, I think he was actually pretty good in the playoffs in isolation. Um. I think it's a really interesting discussion because our heart and mind loves the guy. He's one of the great stories of the league. His improvement level is just awesome. His personality is the core of the team. His shooting is Kyle Korver elite, and and I hope people understand. Like when I'm talking about a guy being Kyle Korver level, I mean I, I that's as big a compliment as I can get. I, I think Kyle Korver's game changing. He's one of our best pack players. So there's a lot of things here where He's great. The question is, can he be great with somebody else taking a bunch of those possessions? Can he be, um, you know, I, I think that's, I, I don't know the answer to this. I really don't. Or is he that vital? His secondary ball handling is incredibly important to this team. Um, however, like isolation in the playoffs, I just looked it up. He had 31. He averaged .67 points per isolation. Like, that's not great. And as the league gets into more switching, and it's more beats, beating people off the bounce later in the playoff series, and as the that that's not going to be a strength of Joe's. Catch and shoot, play the pick and roll, find some guys. He's not. There's an interesting little note on him that guys are not shooting a great percentage off of passes from him last year. Um, I don't know why that is. Actually, um, I, I could probably try to figure it out a little bit. I think. Some of his lack of athleticism means it's harder for him to find some passing windows. Um, But again, our best pick and roll combination just with two guys is him and Finn. He's terrific. Um, And what he's done to evolve is just incredible. And as we try to look at him and the team moving forward, it's interesting the small forward position comes up or other players come up. And then so what's Joe's role? And then what does Joe's role need to be? I find that to be... A really interesting discussion point for the franchise. And I hope it doesn't get taken in any way as a criticism to Joe. But if at some point, you know, it's always the way I felt about Rodney Hood. If Rodney Hood was our starting two, he was average to below average as a starting two. And if he was our sixth man, he might be one of the better six men off the bench. And so if we were going to be a great team, he probably was a sixth man. Is there a level with Joe where something of the sort is true as well? That if he's your starting small forward and your second or third offensive option, that's not good enough. But if he's the leader of your second unit with all of his versatile skills and then late in games playing off your primary guys with his incredible shooting, that is good enough? That's probably where I'm leaning. Just just a thought, you know, we'll see Uh funny experience. I got a text yesterday from Blake Murdoch of Murdoch Hyundai, and he was like, hey, great news. Time for you to trade cars. And I was like, oh, and that gave me a pretty good idea of how much I like the Kona. So I'm driving the Kona now, which is the new uh, Hyundai uh, small SUV. So kind of the, the compete with the Subaru um sport track or whatever it's called. And I've really found myself kind of loving it. It's got thirty I just filled up on the way home today. It's got thirty miles to the gallon. It's zippy and gets up and down the canyon great. It doesn't have a lot of space. It's that's not what it's made for. I mean plenty of space if you're seating, but if we're putting in the golf clubs and things, it's always easier to have a seat down than try to force it in. Um but it's it's a fabulous car. Uh, so check it out. I, I evidently am giving mine back. Maybe you can get the one I've been driving. I love it. It's 4646 South State Street. It's Murdoch Hyundai. When you're dealing with the Murdochs, of course, you're getting the 100,000-mile Hyundai Assurance. You're also getting the Murdoch Guarantee, which is uh, car washes, safety inspection, price match guarantee, all the experiences that they can uh, control for you. It's the No Regrets buying experiences at Murdoch at 4646 South State Street. Go check out that Kona. All right, the NBA Finals are set again. Um, I, I, let me go with a few things. Uh, we, All right, so we get this now conclusion. The chapter is closed. The book is finished. And now we do this post-analysis. I have a hard time doing a post-analysis on a game in which someone missed 25 straight threes and was missing a keycock. Now, I think... I have less sympathy on missing the key cog of Chris Paul than some other people because of the fact that um I think we knew that that was a risk right he's missed twenty percent of his games over the last few years so it's a it's a legitimate risk that he's going to end up being hurt and then it happens in the playoffs i I, I don't have a great deal of sympathy like I think that's part of roster building and that's what happened but i the Warriors. Didn't look right to me that whole series. I thought they looked exposed. What they were exposed, I didn't know. I I kept starting to write the tweet. I actually took notes during the game, which I never published. Um, And I said at one point in the game, I wrote, The Warriors look defeated. They look broken. All series, it felt like the Rockets have exposed them. I'm not sure how or what has been exposed. But they have not had the zest other than brief explosions, and there's been nothing consistent to the Warriors. And I actually think, as I thought about this more, trying to figure that out. So the Rockets blew up entirely how the Warriors play. Their off-ball screen game was not nearly as as uh, potent as it was. It forced them into isolation. It got Durant, the worst part of Durant, just going one-on-one all the time and seemingly ignoring teammates. Um, it, they absolutely knocked the Warriors out of who the warriors were and they didn't look right and they exposed them on the offensive glass in the game in game 7 and yet the warriors still won. Klay Thompson's a bad isolation player and they fit, they forced him into about 50 isolations over 7 over the, that series, maybe a little less. But I you know, they did everything that you could do to the Warriors and discombobulated them. And yet they are still so loaded with so much talent and Steph Curry. So great that they, that they want that they won the series. And, you know, do they win that series without with Chris Paul? I do the Rockets win the series with Chris Paul. I don't know. But that's my takeaway after trying to digest it for 12 12 hours or whatever, a little less, is that, yeah, the Warriors never looked right to me, and they did look defeated, and they did look frustrated because the Rockets were good enough to do that to them, and yet the Warriors still were able to overcome that. Now, remember, in the KD era, the the Warriors had lost three games in the playoffs the entire time, and they lost three in the series, which is an incredible statement of what the Rockets were doing. Um, Is there something... To both the Rockets and the Celtics missing all these Game 7 shots that you're shooting from 25 feet if you're a little tight and you're making diamonds out of your backside, are you suddenly going to be a little tighter and have a harder time making these shots than you would otherwise? Maybe. I'm going to go, and I think any time a team misses 25 straight threes and has the night that the Rockets had, I'm going to go with a confluence of events. Um, that that is taking place. I think one I always talk about is the physically superior. So Trevor Reese is guarding Kevin Durant and Kevin Durant is physically superior. Eric Gordon is dealing with Steph Curry. I think Steph Curry's probably physically, athletically superior. James Harden and Clay Thompson's a pretty good m- matchup, but I think Clay Thompson might be you know, you're dealing Draymond Green is more physical than whomever he was And they're switching so much. But for the most part in that series, the Warriors had an athletic, physical advantage. And I think that partially wore the Rockets down. I think the 30 minutes a night of Chris Paul missing was huge. And that wore the Rockets down. The travel schedule is brutal late in these series. No one talks about it. But you're playing every other day in different cities. Excuse me. You're playing... Game four in Houston, or f- game four in Oakland, game five in Houston, game six in Oakland, game seven in Houston. Like, the travel schedule is brutal. So you're playing high motion, physically grueling, physically overmatched. I think that's the same case in some cases with Boston. I think Boston was physically overmatching Cleveland for much of that series. And you're and you have the, and you have just So, yeah, I think that suddenly you go 7 of 44 from 3. By the way, the Rockets went 7 of 44 from 3. A historically worse shooting three-point night with 25 straight misses. Their offensive rating was a 102 last night. They hit three of those, go 10 of 44, score an extra nine points. Their offensive, not only do they possibly win, their offensive rating is a 112, which would be great. They actually had... The the Warriors didn't have this great offensive game last night. In many ways, the Rockets... Now, the 17 offensive rebounds the Rockets got were a huge part of that. And boy, was Kevin Durant just awful in the first half. Uh, But I I think that... so my, my takeaway on the three-point shooting is I think it's a confluence of events. I think the Warriors defend well. I think the Rockets were fatiguing. I think the injury to Chris Paul meant their minutes were going. I think they played a lot of minutes and not a lot of guys. Uh, and I think they're physically outmatched, and so their bodies were wearing down. They started to miss. And then I think they get tight. Like and there's no question that shooting from 25 feet over 4 feet makes a big difference when there's a lot on the line. When there's a lot on the line. I'm not willing to go that this is some indictment of the way the Rockets play or what the Rockets did. I might even go the other way. Um, I, I thought the Rockets represented themselves pretty well in the series. And I think that part of me looks at the Warriors right now and thinks to myself, boy, they look more vulnerable. The Rockets looked the Jazz are closer than I thought. I don't know if that's true. I think that might be <clears throat> that the rockets were good enough to as I said, discombobulate the warriors, make them look defeated, make them look broken, make them look exposed because the rockets were that good, and that and and I'm not sure the warriors would have looked that way. Against the Jazz, or that the and I don't think the Rockets look that way against the Jazz. Frankly, I thought the Jazz blew up what the Rockets were doing, but the Rockets were so good that they were able to to handle it. So that's my take on that series. There's also a level, just you know, Steph's incredible, right? Um, Steph's incredible, and Durant gives them. I thought Durant was really awful until this in the first half of the game. I don't I thought there was I didn't know what was going on. Um and the Warriors do have some flaws, right? So Draymond Greens can't shoot right now. And then they don't have they only had three pointers made by Durant, Curry, and Thompson, other than one by by Nick Young. So their shooting is not nearly the way they hoped the roster had built when they added Omri Cosby and a bunch of these other guys. And Andrew Andrea Guadal is not shooting it as well either. So there's definitely a level where this is this is considerably different than than they envisioned it would be. Yet they're still, you know, going back to their fourth championship. Um by the way, Rockets got better shots than the Warriors last night. The Rockets uh Qualified shot quality last night was fifty four percent, the fifty three point eight, and the Warriors was fifty one point five, and the Warriors shot seven percentage points better, and the Rockets shot ten percentage points, probably their worst night of the year. Uh, and the and the and that's not just that. You know, I got the Kevin Pelton um, luck concept. I'm not going with luck on this one. I'm going that they were. I think that they were worn out in the process. Cleveland, um, LeBron's the greatest player of our generation and one of the greatest players of all time. That performance was amazing. The third quarter to me was the most amazing when he came out and just distributed and got everyone else going. The narrative that people are floating around because Rodney Hood's not good and George Hill's not good, so somehow, but that's actually not true. George Hill and Rodney Hood's numbers are actually close um, to where they were for their career. The idea that somehow people are talking about that you players don't play as well with LeBron I'm not buying this narrative at all, particularly if you look through his entire career. Jeff Green's having an incredible series. The guys we – J.R. Smith's career is much better with LeBron than anyone else. The guys we know we think are not as good. J. R., but George Hill had a career year last year, which led to largely who he was. Um, and And if you look at his career, this year's right back to it a little bit. And you know, there's a chance that Rodney Hood's not that good, and there's a chance that Rodney Hood's not that good on a great team, and that his situ—they don't need him, and so they're not dealing with it. Whereas the Jazz massaged it beautifully. I mean, I think Rodney's better than not playing, but maybe not. So I'm not into—I'm not buying that narrative on the idea that somehow, some way. LeBron doesn't make his teammates better. Is he hard to play with? I guess. He's also carried a million straight teams to the NBA Finals, so I'm probably not really going there uh, either. Uh, Today's show is brought to you in part by Grip6 Belts. Golf season is here. Grip6 has got some cool things on the golf end of things. They don't intend it for this, but so Grip6 is the really, really cool part because of two things. One, so they have the belt that doesn't have holes, and it then is flapless. So you flip it in, and it locks right behind and holds uh, securely wherever you want. If your waist changes a little bit like mine does throughout the season, you just adjust it. They're manufactured right in Salt Lake City. 100% of the materials are sourced from the U.S. Hands-on manufacturing. They do not... Wear out. They're just awesome product. And then they've got what I think from golf standpoint is really kind of cool with grip six is if you look at it, you can go buy the belt buckles are interchangeable. So you can buy whatever color you want your web strapping to be and then buy a bunch of the other classic buckles and use those and change them out depending what you want, which is kind of a golf thing to do. Thank You could have been wearing your USA flag ones on Memorial Day. They've got great selection. It's at Grip6.com. Use the promo code LOCKED. I got these belts from Keenan, and I have worn them ever since. And I gave them to my dad. He's worn them ever since. I have given them to our scouts as thank yous. They have worn them ever since. Once you do the Grip6, you will love them. They all have got a women's line and a kids' line. If you want to check it out, grip six. Dot com promo code LOCKED gets you 25% or 20% off.
2: Hi, this is Nate Duncan from Locked On's Hollinger and Duncan podcast. Those of you who listen to our show know that I try to take a measured approach. I'm not prone to hyperbole. It really takes something special to get me excited but with all that said, Theragun is simply one of the best products that I have ever used. I just turned 40. I've always loved to work out, to play basketball when it's safe. And as I got into my 30s, it just wasn't possible to do that anymore the way I wanted to because my body didn't feel right. And Theragun has helped me fix so many of the aches and pains. i tried everything, massages, chiropractors, this at-home device, handheld percussive therapy has worked better than any of those for me. And now... now... Now, the all-new Gen 4 Theragun has a proprietary brushless motor. It's so quiet. It's no louder than an electric toothbrush. And best of all, you can try Theragun risk-free for 30 days. There's no substitute for the Theragun Gen 4 with an OLED screen, personalized Theragun app, and the quiet and power you need starts at only $199. Go to theragun.com slash locked on the name of this network right now and get your gen four theragun today. That's theragun.com slash locked on theragun.com slash locked on.
1: Time machine Tuesday. Let's go to the 1995 96 season, the year before the NBA Finals run, we go to May 29th. This is always, I used to, for my, this is my dad's birthday today, 79. I used to always take my dad uh, and give my dad as a present for his birthday during this time period. I would fly him out or bring him here and get him tickets, usually in the upper bowl somewhere high because I didn't have a lot of pull, um, tickets to a game. So, Uh, This is one of those series where we did that. But May 28th, we would be riding high that the Jazz had just... This is one of the great days of Jazz franchise history, actually. The Jazz had just gone to Seattle, trailing three games to one in the Western Conference Finals, went to Seattle on May 28th, and won in overtime 98-95, Uh, Just a bloodbath of a second half. Seattle went up nine in the first. Jazz fired back with great grit in the second to take a three-point lead at the half. They were tied going to the fourth, and the fourth quarter of that game was 19-all. The pace on this game was an 82-possession game. The offenses were just pounding each other. Mailman had 29 points despite 7 of 13 at the free throw line. That series was not a good one. Hornacek came up huge for the Jazz. Had 27. John Stockton in 38 minutes of Game 5 was 1 of 6 from the field with 6 assists is all for the whole game. Jerry started Chris Morris and Felton Spencer and played Brian Russell and Anquan Carr pretty much the whole night. Mailman played 49 as they went to OT. Hornacek had 46, played 46. Brian Russell had 45 minutes. Carr had 40. Stockton, 38. And I mean, this was just, everyone was tight, battling, kind of ugly, fighting through it along the way. Uh, The Stocknicks. Sean Kemp had 24, 13, and 5. Gary Payton just had a monster night. 31 points, 5 rebounds, 6 assists. You know what the narrative was. Payton had 31, 5, and 6. And Stockton had 4, 4, and 6. Detlef Schrempf had played 45. Hershey Hawkins had had scored 12. Sam Perkins was out there making it too hard to play Felton Spencer. Uh, Sonics took 18 threes. Jazz took 13. Jazz... took 40 free throws to the Supersonics 24 and were able to pull off the win and go to a game six which would be tomorrow uh, the May 30th back in Salt Lake City obviously eventually forcing the game seven Um, but what a game five of the Western Conference finals in uh, 1996 between the Jazz and the uh, Supersonics is is really one is it's just a great game. I mean it's it's one of those all time slugfest games. Jazz gutted it out late uh, to get it and uh, pull it off. Um, there's a the, the there's a write up I found on um, on the greatest conference finals of all time, and this this. This one was one of them in game seven, went seven. Uh, We've seen kind of what a game seven was the other day. And the Jazz forcing it through this win uh, was certainly one of those in that the Jazz were able to uh, force that game and then win in Seattle, which at the time was, you know, Key Arena was rocking and one of the most difficult places For anyone to play, so very one of the better wins in Jazz history, as they outscored them eight five in that overtime and pulled off the win. Uh, So that is our Time Machine Tuesday today, kind of a fun one to go back and look at. And the Jazz came back, uh, forced game one, game six, forced game seven, and now uh, and then obviously the next two years were able to break through that loss. That loss was was just crushing in Seattle in Game 7 with the free throws and all of that. But uh, what an incredible, fun uh, one to remember. Uh, And obviously a great matchup between uh, all those guys. All right. That wraps us up. Have a great one. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, the Kona over at Murdoch Hyundai. Grip6.com. Use the promo code LOCKED. Look forward to talking with you today. Uh, it was fun to talk with you today. We'll be back with you. Plan for the rest of the week. I'm going to look at some research projects I'm working on. I'll start to watch draft guys. We'll continue our season previews reviews of players as well. Talk to you soon. Thanks. Bye.